We are going to uh, look this morning at uh, the love of God. I've entitled this morning's message, God's love is greater. God's love is greater. And, uh, you know, we've been talking for several weeks uh, about the subject of faith. Mark eleven twenty two says, have faith in God. As the margin says, have the faith of God. Some translations say, lay hold on God's faithfulness. Well, uh, you know, if I gave you my wallet right now and I said, lay hold of it, you could like grab it and take it. Or if you saw like, uh, this is a bad time to start this. You might be upset at me, but it's okay. If, if I had like this really warm, steamy roll right here with butter that was like dripping on it and you wanted to like lay hold on it, uh, you would like grab it and say, this is for you. Like, thank you very much. I will, I will uh, take and consume that. And, um, you know, uh, we met our, uh, another set of our neighbors, and um, I think I mentioned this last week, but uh, I'll repeat it. And they said, uh, apparently there's, there's bear in these, them there woods, right? <laughs> and um, uh, I asked him about it, and him and his wife worked for the, used to work for the National Park Service in Shenandoah National Park, so they have a lot of experience with that type of stuff. And he said, you know, we really haven't too, had too many problems. You see a bear here and there. He said, but, he said, a few years ago, the cicadas came. And when the cicadas came, they somehow damaged all the nuts in the trees. And so when they damaged the nuts in the trees, that winter, when the bears were preparing for winter, they weren't able to get the amount of nuts that they needed. You know where this is going? And so, <laughs> since they didn't get the amount of nuts that they needed in the springtime when they woke up, they were extra hungry. And so he went to McDonald's, my neighbor did, at night and brought it into the house. And, you know, those French fries, they stink. <laughs> and um, I'll resist saying anything else about that. And uh, so the next morning, he had a bear clawing at his back door, patio window, to try and get to that uh, the French fries, the stinky French fries. <laughs> Uh, so, um, you know, <laughs> that's a situation where you just have to like Mark eleven twenty two it, you know, have faith in God. <laughs> Say like, I'm trusting you, Lord. And, um, you know, it's, uh, it's, uh, something that you always, have to focus yourself on, I believe, is like I'm having faith in God because the easiest thing in the world is to have faith in Tim. If I'm me, not if you're you, it'd be faith in yourself. Well, why do I say that? Is because your flesh, you want to like look to what you can accomplish or what you can do in the situation. And, you know, uh, as, you, as you grow in the world and you learn to relate as a young child or something, it's kind of like, you know, um, if someone's going to clean up your room, uh, you're going to have to clean up your room. Most of the time, your mother or your father is not going to clean your room once you get old enough. You have to clean up your own room. So you kind of learn to relate like if something's going to be done, you have to do it. Well, there is that aspect of life uh, that if something's going to be done, you have to do it. But when we walk by faith and live by faith, everything about us is trusting in him and holding on to him and looking to him. Uh, 
But we are his mouthpiece. We are his flesh in the earth. If he's going to lay hands on someone, he's not going to do a supernatural hand from heaven and lay down. That supernatural hand is going to be through you or through me or through another believer. That's how he's going to do something. And so um, it's for us that live in the flesh, uh, the constant consciousness to have that Christ is living in me and Christ is working through me and it's no longer I that live, but Christ lives in me. And the life I live in the flesh, I live how? By faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. That's, I think that's such an awesome pattern. That's Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. Let's look there. Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. Paul said, I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. In the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Amen. Well, we talk about faith uh, for several weeks And, you know, you can't come to God without faith. You can't be saved without faith. Most people were healed in the New Testament. The examples, specific examples we see were healed by faith. You know, according to your faith, be it done unto you. And faith is really the hand that receives from God and reaches out to God and gets from God. Uh, But I love Galatians 2.20, second half of the verse. Um, The life that I now live in the flesh. Who, who, Who here is in the flesh, living in the flesh? We're all living in the flesh, if you're in this room. Uh, And... uh, you know, if you're not, I don't, I don't see you. don't know about you. <laughs> I live by faith. Here's how I live my life. I live by faith in the Son of God. But listen to this part. This is where I want to focus today. Who loved me and gave himself for me. So in other words, how are you going to have this solid, fixed, immovable confidence and trust in God himself? Because he loved you and gave himself for you. When you get acquainted, when I get acquainted more and more, and it's like, not like you arrived today or you arrived last week or you're going to arrive this week, um, you know, we're supposed to be perfected in love, and I don't know who, else, who is per, in here is perfected in love. I think none of us are. I think all of us could grow and could do better. Um, but today we're actually focusing in on the love of God toward you and toward me, toward every one of us, and that I have faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. The way that I'm going to have that solid, fixed faith, of course, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, through the word of God. But you have to actually understand the character of God and the character of Jesus Christ so that you can have confidence in him. And so Paul says, "Who first of all, he loved me and gave himself for me. In other words, how much did God love you? God loved you so much he gave up his what? only begotten son. Why? For God so loved the world that he gave. And Jesus, here we learn that Jesus, because of his great love, and we don't, of course, only learn it here. It's all throughout the New Testament. But he gave his very life because of his love for you and his love for me. So, um, you know, we went through last week quickly. I got response from my own mother who said, you're reading too fast. <laughs> but we went through, we went through the book, uh, excuse me, uh, Galatians 
chapter 3, not the whole book of Galatians, but Galatians chapter 3, we find out, you know, the difference between living under the law or what you could call under works by what you can accomplish on your own and what you can do and how right you can be by what you can do versus the life of faith versus trusting God, trusting the gift of his grace that he has given us. And um, so we learned about that, but we'd kind of be remiss if we didn't look and say, listen, this whole thing is because of God's great love for mankind, his great love for you and for me. Because when we start to look at um, being a person of faith, or we look at being a person um, of grace, or we look at being a person of whatever you happen to be studying, it's amazing that if you are in um, focusing on faith, focusing on grace, doesn't matter what you're focusing on, anything, you can get into doing it yourself. That's like a paradox. One of the, one of the funniest paradoxes is, like it's a, is to see someone that's uh, focused on grace get into works. It's just as big, maybe bigger paradox to see someone that's focused on faith get into works. Because they're both like works is, works is not involved. Works is a result of your faith. Works is a result of the grace of God. Actually, Paul says, when you look and see what great love that Christ has for you and has for me, it's actually going to cause you and spurn you to do works. Okay? So works are a result of what God has done and your belief in what God has done and your trust in what God has done. It's kind of like, have you ever had somebody just just do something extravagant for you. They like went above and beyond way more than what they ever needed to do, way more than what was necessary. They went above and beyond and they did it just because they loved you, just because they wanted to do something for you. Man, what happens in your being? What happens in my being is I like want to, what can I do for you? Like, you know, I want to do something for you. And um, you see, like when we realize even just in our consciousness, even without realizing in our heart or in our spirit what God has done for us, it causes us to do something. But, but what happens in your flesh and what, uh, what even um, good parents would want to teach your children is like you work hard and you'll be rewarded. Well, that's actually true. If you work hard for the Lord, you'll be rewarded in heaven. But it has absolutely nothing to do with your relationship with God. It has absolutely nothing to do with my relationship with my children. If they clean their room or not, they are still my children. I still love them no matter what they do. Uh, you know, I want to teach them the right way because I understand if they don't learn to be responsible, they're going to have lots of trouble in life. Amen. And they need to learn to do all of that stuff. But it does not change for one minute my love for them. Or my relationship to them. Now, they could do some stuff that might break a little fellowship. <laughs> and same thing with us and the Lord. Right? People, people mistake um, relationship for fellowship. Right? So they think, oh, uh, I didn't do what the Lord told me, so he doesn't love me anymore. Well, that's a lie from the pit of hell. He created mankind out of love, and he loves every one of us, whether um, we're doing good or we're doing bad, whether we're walking according to the word or not walking according to the word. His love for us makes no difference. Doesn't mean he approves of everything that we're doing. I don't approve of everything uh, my children do. You know, and you could say, like, you just want to bring it home. I don't approve of everything I've ever done. 
Like, why did you do that? I, I, I disapprove. <laughs> Tim, you ought not to do that again. I'm going to have some words with you. Sometimes you have to have words with yourself. Uh, really, uh, I'll let you in on a little secret that you may be aware of or you may not be aware of. Uh, but uh, the biggest thing the Lord wants you to work on is yourself, not the other person. So you see a situation like, oh, you know, I can't believe they did that and this and that and everything else like that. And, uh, you know, uh, most of the time if you check in your heart where the Lord speaks to you, he's actually trying to prompt you like about an adjustment you could make about walking in love or something else. He very, I've never really had him do it the other way. (laughs) Now I have thought like, you know, I must see that because I have such great spiritual perception. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) We all have. But you know, uh, I'll tell you how I deal with myself. So you may like uh, notice something, maybe brought to your attention. (laughs) And you know, the Lord uh, can reveal stuff. You know, uh, but uh, we learn in the Word of God, really, the Holy Spirit always reveals the blood of Jesus. So you see a situation where someone's missing it. Do you know if the Holy Spirit's revealing it to you, it's never in condemnation of the other person? It's never in hopelessness. It's never in they're horrible, uh, they're an unrighteous soul, you know, that needs to be like taught a lesson. It's always revealing the blood of Jesus. Well, what's the blood of Jesus? The blood of Jesus is liquid love. The blood of Jesus says, like, I already took care of that before you even thought about existing even on the earth. It's already taken care of. But where I, where I deal with myself is, you know, you can, you can see something and want to say something. And um, if you've been a Christian for any length of time, you probably know, like, you probably shouldn't say something about that. You should probably not say something. But uh, for me, I say, like, you know what? That's not good enough. I want to have in my heart a love for that person, a a genuine heartfelt love for that person so that when I see someone um, uh, missing it, doing something that's clearly unscriptural, I don't want to just say nothing. I want there to be a stirring in my heart to pray for them and to lift them up. And that's how I keep my mouth straight is I keep my mind straight. I keep my mind straight as I keep my heart connected to God, to the love of God. So in other words, if I see this person the way God sees them, or uh, really uh, just a practical thing, sometimes what helps me is I see the end of what someone's doing because I'm not that old, but I am 41. So I've been around long enough to have some experiences with people. And you see when people kind of act the fool, if you want to call it that, you see what they're, they're doing and it's, it's clearly just irrational. You see the end result of that while they're doing it. But what happens so often is you, you and I, we just look at like the here and now. Like, how could they do that? How could they act like that? Uh, but you get to learn, and you know, maybe in ministry you learn more. I don't know because you deal with people in more personal ways. But you, you learn most of the times when people are acting out like that, they've got some serious issues at home. And if they don't, they're going to. Because you can't act like that consistently and have God's best in your life. So I actually see that, and the compassion of God rises up. And it's so easy for me to pray for him then. Because uh, when any of us get in that situation, we don't even realize like what we're doing. We're not conscious of it, because why? We're, we're kind of deceived. And um, you, you, uh, 
You say things that you wouldn't normally say, uh, like I say, that you don't approve of. <laughs> My name is Tim Osterman. I do not approve of this message. <laughs> and, um, but to let the love of God stir in you for the other person so that not only are we not saying something, but actually we just have love in our heart for them. And uh, really, if you're having trouble with somebody, one of the best things to do is pray a heartfelt prayer for them on a consistent basis. Because then, really, when their name comes up, what rises in you is heartfelt supplication for them, heartfelt prayer for them, that you are uh, lifting their name up into the very throne of heaven where the blood of Jesus is applied so that you see it and you're conscious of that. That was not in my notes. That's all extra. <laughs> but it's, it's very good. So who loved us and gave himself for us. Uh, God loved and God gave. Second, uh, excuse me, Galatians chapter 2, verse 16. In the Amplified Translation, let me read it actually over here. Galatians chapter 2, verse 16. You think electronics are supposed to be faster than paper, but sometimes they're not. Uh, Galatians 2.16 Amplified. Yet we know that a man is justified or reckoned righteous and in right standing with God, not by works of the law, but only through faith and absolute reliance on and adherence to and trust in Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the anointed one. Therefore, even we ourselves have believed on Christ Jesus in order to be justified by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law. For we cannot be justified by any observance of the ritual law given by Moses, because by keeping legal rituals and by works, no human being can ever be justified, declared righteous, and put in right standing with God. But if in our desire and our endeavor to be justified in Christ, to be declared righteous and put in right standing with God, wholly and solely through Christ, we have shown ourselves sinners also and convicted of sin, does that make Christ a minister or a party or contributor to sin? Banish the thought. Of course not. For if I or any others who have taught that observance of the law of Moses is not essential to being justified by God should now by word or practice teach or intimate that it, is, that it is essential to build up again what I tore down, I prove myself a transgressor. In other words, if anybody's preaching this, including me, like we're, we're proving like that we're kind of clueless. We're messing, we're messing up even what we're, what we're trying to preach. For I, through the law, under the operation of the curse of the law, have in Christ's death for me myself died to the law and all the law's demands upon me so that I may henceforth live to and for God. Here's where we, uh, verse 20. I have been crucified with Christ. In him I have shared with crucifixion. It is no longer I who live, but Christ, the Messiah, lives in me. And the life that I now live in the body, I live by faith, by adherence to and reliance upon and complete trust in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself up for me. Praise God. So I am now living by faith in the one that loved me and gave himself for me. I'm living by faith in that, that he loved me, he gave himself for me, and it's no longer I that live, but Christ is living in me and through me, and he's using my body for his purpose and for his will. 
Well, when you get to the point where you say, it's no longer I that live, that's a huge statement right there. In other words, I'm not living for myself any longer. I'm living for Jesus Christ. And this is the point that every single one of us has to come to, really, to even come to Jesus Christ, to receive him as our Lord and as our Savior. Do you know, like, being a Christian is not automatic. It doesn't come just by believing that Jesus died and rose again. You have to receive. It says, as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become the children of God, the sons and daughters of God. Because the Bible even tells us that demons believe in Jesus Christ so much that they tremble and they shake. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to be the children of God. If you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with a mouth... Uh, confessions made into salvation with the... I, why did I mess that up two or three weeks in a row? I must be uh, translating. For with the heart, man believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. So when we confess with our mouth believe in our heart, we are recreated then, not before. The price was paid long ago. Jesus paid the price over 2,000 years ago. In fact, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, uh, one of my favorite chapters in the Bible, if you, if you look at uh, chapter 5, verse 14, maybe am I saying that about every chapter? Every chapter in the Bible is my favorite chapter. <laughs> For the love of Christ constrains us, verse 14, because we uh, thus judge that if one died for all, then all were dead. Okay, that means like every single one of us was dead because one died for all of us. <clears throat> and, if, and that he died for all, that they which live should henceforth, not henceforth, live unto themselves but unto him which died for them and rose again. That sounds a whole lot like it's no longer I that live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Verse 16, wherefore, from now on we know no man after the flesh. <clears throat> yes, we've known Christ after the flesh, yet even from now on we don't know him this way anymore. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ and given us to us the ministry of reconciliation. Uh, to wit that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them and has committed unto us the ministry of reconciliation. Uh, I think Amplified says, God was personally present in Christ, making the world right with himself. And he committed unto us that ministry. What's that ministry? That's the word of reconciliation. What does that mean? That's to say to the world, you know what? God is not a mad God. He's not upset with you. He's not mad with you. He actually loves you so much. He gave up his one and only son for you. And if you were the only one on the face of this earth in all existence that ever accepted him, he would have still done it just for you because he loves you that much. That's good news. Uh, because he loves us with an everlasting love. Verse 20, now we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God did beseech you by us. We pray you in Christ's stead, be reconciled to God. 
For he has made him to be sin who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. The righteousness of God in Christ. That we're made the righteousness of God in Christ. And so, um, here not too long, we're actually going to do a series on uh, righteousness. But in uh, 2 Corinthians Second Corinthians chapter 10, verse 11, I believe it is. Second Corinthians chapter, uh, excuse me, 11, verse 15. And it's no wonder, for Satan himself masquerades as an angel of light. So it is not surprising if his servants also masquerade as ministers of righteousness. Uh, you might be thinking, what in the world does this verse have to do with what we're talking about? <laughs> Okay, well, we've been talking about faith week after week after week, and last week we actually uh, contrasted faith with works or doing of the law. Well, most people, Christians, would say, if you say, like, are you supposed to live by faith or by works? They would say, well, at least in here, they'd say, by faith. We're supposed to live by faith. You better say it after all these weeks. (laughs) (laughs) And um, you say, by faith. Well, But the question is, for you and for me, are we living by faith? And so uh, when we learn that Satan masquerades as an angel of light, and if he does, then don't also his servants, is what the the, uh, word of God tells us. Um, Verse 15, so it's not surprising if his servants also masquerade as ministers of righteousness. Now I'll tell you something about me. You know, I believe as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. That sons of God, daughters of God, can expect and should expect to be led by the Spirit of God. He will lead you. He will guide you. John, uh, John, uh, the Gospel of John tells us that we are his sheep. We know his voice. That we know him. And that we don't follow the voice of a stranger. But I'll also be one of the first ones to tell you that... Um, one of the things I have to watch myself in is like if I am in a situation and I miss it, I think, well, man, I, why did I miss that? Why did I not like listen to the Lord in that? How, how could I have missed that? So my first reaction is actually one of sin consciousness, not of righteousness consciousness. And what adds to that is the devil servants actually masquerade as ministers of righteousness. So actually, when you're endeavoring to follow the Lord and do what he tells you and, you know, be a good son or daughter, a good servant of Christ, the devil actually comes in with saying like, well, you must have missed it. You must have done something wrong. It must be something that you did or didn't do. And so you see like just those little tweaks of you actually are feeling like, no, 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 I'm, I'm trying to learn and I'm trying to grow and I'm trying to follow the Lord better. But the devil wants to kind of slip in. In fact, if you look over at um, verse 3 of the same chapter, but I fear lest any means as the serpent beguiled Eve through subtlety, so your mind should be corrupted from the simplicity that's in Christ. That's in the same context, in the same chapter. And so as the servant beguiled Eve, he like subtly came in. And what he said sounded really good. And it sounded like, oh, this is plausible. This is something, you know, uh, that's possible. You know, like I like to say, you know, Eve was deceived. Adam was fully conscious of what he did. (laughs) And so um, he said, just how the serpent deceived Eve, 
I don't want this to happen to you. And so you see, when we're walking by faith, our, uh, and that's why I love the Amplified Translation, our trust, our reliance, everything we have is on him and not on us. Because you really see, if you missed it, it doesn't really matter. Because his blood is more powerful. What he has accomplished has already taken care of that. And you know, he actually knew you uh, um, before you were born. Let me read you a couple verses as we close. Jeremiah 1.5. I knew you before you were born. Ephesians 1.11. I chose you when I planned creation. You are predestined according to my purpose. Psalm 139. You were not a mistake, for all your days are written in my book. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. I determined the exact time of your birth and where you would live. That's in Acts chapter 17. Matthew chapter 10. Even the very hairs on your head are numbered. Uh, back to Psalm 139. I knit you together in your mother's room. I brought you forth on the day when you were born. You were made in God's image. In him we live and move and breathe and have our being. And so, and I could go on and on and on for another uh, good bit of time. But you see, like God knows every intricate detail about you and about me. He actually Uh, saw you when you were formed in your mother's womb, when you were being fashioned together. He appointed the days for you. He appointed all of this for you. He actually predestined all of mankind to come to the knowledge of salvation and of grace. It's just a matter of whether we receive it or not. Somebody wants to get off in predestination. I believe in predestination. God predestined every human being to be in his family and to be born again and to love them with a love that goes beyond and blows your mind. Right? I mean, you read Ephesians chapter 3, the Ephesians chapter 3 prayer, like the, the height and the width and the depth and the breadth to know the love of Christ that passes knowledge. The love of Christ is so enormous and so amazing, it'll blow your mind. You cannot comprehend the love of God, and that love of God is directed directly towards you in your situation. So don't let the devil tell you that you did something that's worse than anybody else, that you've got some special sin, that you've got some special thing, that you're more special than anybody else because of your wickedness or your strangeness or your quirkiness. Because if that's the case, then God and Jesus need to have a meeting so Jesus can go back on the cross and repay for that sin because he was caught off guard by what you did. (laughs) We know he wasn't. Right? So, like, when you come into the presence of God, and you kind of messed up, and you're like, oh, Lord, yeah, it's a nice day outside. <laughs> uh, you certainly got some nice weather going on there. <laughs> I like that, you know. Uh, we're kind of like, just why? It's like, Lord, I did it again. <laughs> Look what happened, you know. Uh, but he's right there. And actually, in Hebrews, we learn that you actually approach the throne of of grace boldly that you may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. Well, you don't need mercy if you didn't mess up. Like, I did exactly what you asked me to do. I followed you. I stayed in faith and just trusted you through the whole thing, even though it made absolutely no sense to my brain. Have mercy on me. (laughs) So... He loves us, um, and really, uh, the more revelation that we get, and the more understanding we get, and the more comprehension we get of the love of God, 
and the power of the love of God and the tangibility, in other words, the touchableness, the realness of the love of God, that's what really causes us to leap forward and to lurch forward in the things of God and really in our call in life. I'll end with this one story. And I, I didn't uh, look it up, so I'm just going to uh, tell it from memory. But um, I think it's in Henry Drummond's book, but I'm not 100% sure. But uh, there was this girl that was in the hospital, and she was sick, uh, laid on the sick bed. And the minister went in to minister to her. And all he did is he went in and he said, young girl, Jesus loves you. Other people had ministered to her. She was healed because she accepted the love of Jesus. He didn't say be healed. He didn't say get up and walk. He just said, Jesus loves you. The power of the love of Jesus. Uh, there's so much power in that love to fix any situation, any problem, any thought, any action, any inaction, anything. The love of Jesus. And Jesus Christ loves each and every one of you. He loves each and every person on the face of the earth. His heart, his greatest joy is when people that don't know him come to him. His greatest joy is that when people that have known and have uh, faded away or slipped away, when they come back. The love of Jesus Christ is strong and it's strong towards you and it's strong towards me and it's strong towards the worst sinner that lives in this city today. And it's more powerful than the sin, than the power of the devil, than any thoughts that the devil tries to bring of captivation and bondage. So let's stand and let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the love that is in Christ Jesus, your love that you have for us, that you have to us. Thank you for the way that you love us. Thank you for the way that you think about us. Thank you for the way that you help us, that you surround us with your love, with your strength, with your help. Father, we thank you for your love. And I pray, Father, just like Paul prayed for every person that's here and every person that's listening, Father, that we would get a greater understanding and a greater revelation of your love for us, that we might know the height and the width and the depth and the breadth of the love of Christ Jesus, that we may be filled to all the fullness of you, Father. I pray that you'd strengthen us in our inner man. Father, we thank you for your great love. Father, we just right now cast all of our cares upon you because you care for us, because you're a God that cares what's going on in our life, that you care for every detail and everything. I plead the blood of Jesus. May what Jesus' blood paid for and accomplished occur in the life of everyone that's listening to me right now. Father, I thank you for that blood, the power of the blood. Father, I thank you that that blood is your liquid love. Father, that your love was shed for us on the cross. Father, we thank you for your love. Father, thank you that you have poured your love in us in abundance that you've poured it out with on the, in, on the inside of us, Father. Thank you for your love to love ourselves with and to love each other with. Father, we look now not to ourselves, but we look to you who lives in us 
and who strengthens us and who invigorates us with the same life and the same power that raised Christ from the dead. We thank you for your ability living in us and through us to accomplish and to be more than a conqueror this week and anything that comes our way. I thank you for the call upon each and every person's life that's here, Father. I pray for uh, total fulfillment that we can all run our race with joy. Run our race with joy and find favor in your sight and be well-pleasing to you in everything that we do. We do it by faith in the blood of Jesus and faith in what Jesus' blood has accomplished for us. In Jesus' name, amen.